0: Welcome to the Collaborate podcast. I'm Victor Adiboali, chair and founder of Collaborate. Collaborate's a small organization with massive ambition. We want to look beyond the challenges we're currently facing society and start a conversation about the future. We live in challenging times, and I think we need more collaboration in society, in public services, in our economy, all to create a better future. So we're exploring what a collaborative society could look like, how you build it, and where the green shoots are. And as part of this, I'm talking to some fascinating people about how they are creating change through their work. I could listen to Malik <laughs> all day. He has this... It's not just the way he talks, the sound of his voice, that sort of soft Birmingham, but it's his knowledge. I mean, the guy has just been through so much and can relate all of that um, so muchness to his work and his passion for community and community empowerment and collaboration. And what I like about him is that he's not just a, well, he's just not a fist, you know, he's not a fist waver, he's a he's a hard analytical worker who brings um, a history and an intelligence to the work, which is really empowering and, and gives me hope about the future, not just of politics, but of um, collaboration because this guy's been doing it for a long time. So we're going to
1: talk to Malik Gull. Well, my name is Malik, Malik Gull. I work for Wandsworth Community Empowerment Network Mm -hmm. and I've been working for the network from 2003. Uh And um, the Community Empowerment Network has, um, its history is embedded very much in the um, new Labour government of 1997 1997 Mm -hmm. and you'll probably know victor that you know when they came about they were a really transformational Mm -hmm. government and one Mm -hmm. of their big programs and i think one of the programs the likes of which we'll probably never see again Mm -hmm. was the national strategy for neighborhood Mm renewal And if you go around London and you see places like Elephant and Castle,
0: yeah, no, you know
1: that like was that. all seeded. That yeah. was all seeded with the um, New Deal for Communities. New Deal for Communities. New Deal for Communities. Yeah. And when they set up the um, the uh, National Strategy for Neighbourhood Renewal, you know, based on you know extensive research, mm. you know, they set up the Policy Action Teams. You know, you know people like Hilary Armstrong, yeah. Paul yeah. Boateng, they were, yeah, and they yeah, were all kind yeah. of setting up these teams to review, yeah.
0: yeah,
1: you know, nineteen years of a Conservative government, yeah. Um, and said, "Okay, well, you know, how are we going to reduce postcode poverty?" Mm-hmm. Was the uh, was the term at the time? Mm-hmm. And they set up the the what they call local strategic partnerships. And as part of that program, they identified the they had they developed a new index of multiple deprivation, yeah. and they identified the eighty eight. Yeah. Poorest areas in the in, country. In the country right. And you know, we know where they are. You know, yeah. most of them were up north yeah. Manchester, Birmingham, Oldham, yeah. Burnley. And London had 20.
0: Yeah.
1: Harringay, yeah. Camden, yeah. Tower Hamlets, Newham. Yeah. Uh, out of the 88 areas, Wandsworth came in at 87. Wow. Out of the 88. And the reason it came in was because of certain acute that's areas. the 87 worst. Um, the 87th worst area, you know. Um, You know, considering there's over 300... Which you don't think of Wandsworth. I don't think of Wandsworth. I've got to be
0: honest. Wandsworth Common, you know, like
1: you don't think of it. Putney and all those places. Kind of stylish, you know. (laughs) Or it likes to think itself as. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think there's something like, I don't know, 300 and something local authority districts. But Mm. still, Wandsworth came in at 87 out of 88 Mm. because we have certain areas of acute uh, deprivation um and as part of the local strategic partnerships and you know these partnerships were were often called partnership of partnerships yeah so you know the people on the local strategic partnerships were the local authority one you know the councils the health service the police probation yeah. service and uniquely, I think what government decided was actually you've got to have communities as mm. part of these partnerships. Mm. What happened previous to Neighbourhood Renewal were things like um, single regeneration yeah, budget single programmes. programmes yeah. Michael Heseltine's Michael stuff. Michael Heseltine's yeah. stuff, Competitive absolutely. Competitive bidding. Yeah. Urban renewal programme, yeah, yeah. Um, which, which kind of said you should have community mm. representation mm. but didn't make it a directive. Yeah. Um, whereby with Neighbourhood Renewal, they made it a directive. Yeah. And I think also... And uh, for us in the voluntary sector, it was almost like all our boats came in at the same time, because mm. not only were we given places around the big table, mm. we were also given direct funding. Mm-hmm. So huge resources mm-hmm. and huge money. What's unusual about Wandsworth is out of the 88 areas, most of the areas that got the funding were labour controlled local authorities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wandsworth was one of the very few that was a conservative-controlled local authority that got neighbourhood renewal funding. And Wandsworth at the time didn't have a voluntary sector, still doesn't. Um, And what's really interesting, because I think this speaks a lot to what we'll go on to talk about, is that the neighbourhood renewal fund, the money money for the community empowerment Mm. networks went to CVSs. Yeah. They went to Council for Voluntary Services. Yeah. So what happened is the CVS got the money yeah. and set up the network. Yeah. And what was interesting about Wandsworth is there was no CVS. Oh. So when Government Office of London arrived in Wandsworth and says, we've got this big pot of funding, yeah. who shall we give it to? Yeah. The we local authority, about. of course, says, give it to us. Give it to us, yeah. we'll, sort it, yeah. we'll sort it out. Yeah, we'll sort yeah. it out. Know, we'll put it in libraries or somewhere. Yeah. 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 And what happened was a group of local activists who managed to survive um in Wandsworth, um, says let's form a local charity. Mm-hmm. And a local charity was formed by, you know, organisations like South West London Law Centres and others right. and they formed the charity, then the charity got the got money. The money. The conservative government didn't want the conservative local authority didn't want the community empowerment network. As far as it was concerned, this is meddling mm. from Tony Blair's government
0: yes. in, in, Wandsworth in, in Wandsworth affairs. And yes. you have
1: to remember that it, Wandsworth was what, two or three mm. conservative local authorities out of the eighty-eight. So, yeah. as far as Eddie List saw mm. it, or Wandsworth Council saw it, this is kind of yeah, yeah, get thee behind me, sir. Yeah, Tony Blair yeah. telling us what to do. Piss off! Mm. I just—I mean—who elected you and who gave you the right to sit around the table? All right was their view very much Okay. so we were an independent charity yeah. set up in the beginning yeah. as an independent charity so when the community empowerment network you know just kind of closed down mm. everywhere else because mm. they lost the grant you could keep going we could keep going. So we um, applied for funding mm. um, through various bodies. The DCLG, just mm. you know, ODPM finished, mm. DCLG, they gave us a grant. And then over successive years, people like Linkali Chase Foundation, yeah, um, National Lottery, yeah. uh, Lloyd's Foundation, yeah. Waits Foundation, yeah. over a period of time yeah. they could fund So tell me, Malik. The last interested? community empowerment network still yeah. standing.
0: Really? Well, mm. let's tell me something. So mm. how did you come to this? I'm interested because I think listeners are interested not just in... Sort of what you do, which well, I want to hear more of. But where mm. you've come from?
1: Uh, well, you know, I'm part of that generation, first generation immigrants. Yeah. You know, my fathers, my father came here in the fifties, and the same hi, as hi. that, you know, Windrush generation, British. Pakistan generation. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, my parents were of that generation, yeah. grow, born and brought up in Birmingham. Yeah. You now, my father was he joined the British Army. Yeah. At the time when it was the Imperial India, yeah, you know, in the 1930s. Yeah. So he joined the British Army then, um, and then was posted in British Malaya. So he was over there, posted mm. over there, and then spent, he would he would often say to me, he's passed away now, but he would often say to me, the best days of his life mm. was over there because that was, you know, the, the Singapore of raffles. Right, you know, okay. At that time, Singapore yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. exist. It yeah. was a kind of Malaysian fishing yeah, yeah, port yeah, yeah. out there, Hong Kong and that. Yeah. So my father spent probably 15, 20 years of his mm. life in that part. So when we grew up, you know, I was born in the 60s. When we grew up, you know, there was always postings hmm. and postcards yeah. and noises off from Singapore. Yeah. Are, and at the time, growing up in Drab Birmingham,
0: pretty <laughs> yeah. yeah. glamorous in the nineteen seventies, <laughs> and we
1: kind of heard these kind of yeah. messages coming over the airways yeah. from Kuala Lumpur, yeah. Malaysia, nice. Singapore, yeah. Hong Kong. you were in Hansworth, and, <laughs> and I was in Hansworth. Yeah, I was in Hansworth <laughs> at the time, and um, so in my imagination, there was always another place that was beyond the boundaries of Digbeth and Birmingham so in my imagination there was always other places you know I was just reflecting on the death of David Bowie you know and you know when he died for a lot of people you know um, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders of Mars he literally
0: reinvented a new universe so I'm growing up now
1: a Pakistani boy (laughs) yeah with these kind of images of Singapore and Kuala Lumpur mm. listening to Ziggy Stardust <laughs> and the Spiders of Mars <laughs> I kind of felt that my confines were not um yeah. the boundaries of yeah. my existence so, you yeah. know growing up in 70s the national front yeah. Yeah. racism Northfields in Birmingham yeah
0: casual racism
1: one of the things that still sticks in my mind is my dad used to cycle at the mm. time is he came home one day from a shift I still get very emotional when I talk about oh, it Um right. The whole of his back coat Mm. was covered with spit and fob, Um, because as he as he cycled home from work, my dad was a gatekeeper at Birmingham City Council, Um, because he was spat on, god, um, and abused and shouted at and attacked. And I remember the day when he came home, and the whole of his jacket had green fob on it, and that was and still is a very seminal moment. Man who fought, risked his life. Risked his life, fought in the army for the British in Malaya, came to this country, because he was invited into this country, came to this country and tried to, you know, my dad worked very, very hard. yeah, And he was just treated like... Second-class, worthless yeah. citizen, and that stuck in my mind.
0: Yeah,
1: we normalise those yeah, experiences. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about know? it. Yeah, yeah. But they stick out very much in my mind. Another mm. kind of seminal moment, because my dad, you know, in the British Army, my dad kind of looked up mm. to the British, yeah, you know. Yeah. And um, so, in my in my mind and in my life growing up, I've always had these. Yeah, yeah kind of thing why are things unequal yeah, why, why are, are we treated the like are. why are things yeah. the way they are and there is another world out yeah, there yeah. there is a better world there's yeah. a brighter more exotic yeah, yeah world out there so i was always interested in and, justice and did, you, did you go in search for it i guess i did i mean i left home at 16 yeah. again very unusual pakistani yeah. muslim boy yeah. leaving home and i left home at 16 because i kind of found that the confines yeah of my Pakistani religious Muslim yeah. household yeah. were very limited. Much, yeah. you, know, the, you know, these communities are very conservative. They are very, yeah. They're very male, yeah. patriarchal yeah. dominated. To, yeah. When I arrived in Handsworth, I was like a kid in a sweet mm. shop. <laughs> you know, a kid <laughs> in a sweet shop yeah. because all of a sudden I've left this kind of cultured, limited well, yeah. kind of family life and ended up in Wandsworth. And, and wow, wow. Yeah. It was like Bob Marley yeah. on the jukebox, Burning yeah. Spear, yeah. Peter Taj. Yeah. And so there was a kind of a community People that was arrested. forming. You know, and I arrested. thought, my gosh, this I've is... I've arrived. I've arrived. <laughs> I thought hello, I, world. Hello, yeah. world. Brilliant. So I was very much involved in that community, in that culture, you mm. know, kind of... A, I remember the riots at the time, mm. the political campaigns, mm. the social act. And I, at Hansworth College, at 16, I became president of the Students' Union. <laughs> All right, of a sudden, yeah, my man. political awakening. Yeah happened in one big flash yeah. of yeah. color and yeah. light and music really, yeah. and art yeah, yeah, and yeah. culture. Yeah. And, and it's it a bit was like
0: that scene in Star Trek when the you just remember the scene in with when when the, the start when the ship the Enterprise goes to goes to light speed warp, warp to, speed, warp speed, warp speed. <laughs> <laughs> he's off he's yeah. off tell me about Wandsworth tell me about your job your role now what, what, I what think happened between the, the years of well yeah. for want of sense plenty yeah
1: and yeah. now I think that the state has withdrawn hmm from communities mm. the state has stepped away you know from we were growing up the yeah. state was very much embedded mm-hmm. in people's life either through the community programs mm-hmm. or through funding of public services mm-hmm. but i think what's happened over the last 20 years or so gradually i think it did start with blair mm-hmm. i think blair began it is the state started to withdraw mm. from communities and pull but away. That's weird,
0: because we started off with a conversation about how Blair actually invested. Yeah, media. yeah.
1: I think what happened is that Blair went too far. I mm. think the whole idea of commissioning, mm-hmm. you know, he was the one who started the, um, I can't remember the purchase term. Purchase provider uh, split. Purchase provider yeah. split. Yeah. He was the one who started to uh, commercialise public sector. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So therefore, the people that were involved in public sector were mm. no longer your working classes. You know, I often say the public sector is the working class at work. Yeah. You know because it's actually yeah. you know yeah. where do working-class people used yeah. to work yeah he used to be in the public sector mm-hmm. in the councils and mm-hmm. the buses and mm-hmm. the hospitals so on mm-hmm. and so forth mm-hmm. so I think that where where Blair started to privatize mm. the sector all of a sudden private companies mm. came in and their goal is is profit mm. you know their goal is we're gonna make money mm. Um, so therefore the type of recruitment processes mm. the kind of things they went through in terms of well these are the staff we're going to have mm. in order to deliver this it changed mm. the settlement mm. between um, public service mm. and the communities they were serving because all of a sudden you had a wedge in the middle mm. which were private companies mm. Mm. private companies then started to come in and um a lot of this, you know. I mean, privatisation. always was It's not bad bit, in itself. I mean,
0: no, no privatisation yeah. was starting to I mean, didn't she start the? Oh, um, she started the ball rolling. It, I forgot what they called it now. Where you had to any council had to justify providing. Yeah. I can't what it was. Yeah, and if you couldn't, you had to put it out to tender. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And then there was a debate in the Labour Party when the Labour came in about whether it was, um, whether they we're going to continue it or not. And they came up with this thing called local authorities had to prove that their services were va- were adding value. Yeah. Otherwise, they had to put them out to yeah, tender. I yeah. forgot what it was called. Yeah, yeah. Was, but it was literally a forced privatisation yeah. under Thatcher yeah, yeah. Uh, and less forced, yeah. but allowable under yeah. Labour. Yeah. I think that's basically how it went.
1: Yeah. And I think towards the end of the Labour government, I think a, a lot of the stuff that went too far. Yeah. I mean, I remember the whole hospital. I can't remember the terms now, but... Um, uh, where, um, and I remember this happened in ones where the good friend of mine, Anne Radmore, mm. led it. I think she read the first PPI. Yes,
0: yes. public private partnership. Public, public pri- private investment. Investment. Yeah, yeah. But so, there were public private partnerships as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you know, and, and some of our our, our hospital trusts will be paying this money back for fifty oh, years. God, yeah, yeah. You know, and fifty the rest, years. Yeah. Um, so I think that what's happened mm. over the last twenty or so years. Uh, in my experience is the state has gradually withdrawn. Mm. For, I, I think it's accelerated mm. from 2010
0: mm. and the
1: acceleration has been really steep. I mm. think the policy of austerity mm. and the kind of withdrawal of the state mm. from people's lives mm. and from involvement in people's lives mm. I think has left those who are already in situations of mm. poverty mm. already it left them hanging mm. and it mm. left them cut off and beached yeah. from any kind of support.
0: Yeah, the tide went out and they're just
1: and, and just left yeah. and just just left to hang yeah. by themselves I mean th- yeah. these communities were already on the breadline mm. mm. you know I mean what's really interesting about um, the, the, the the Blair government is that yes while those in absolute poverty lifted a little bit the gap between the rich and the poor grew. It did, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So you know, so Blair often talks about, or, or, or the legacy of Blair and 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 the supporters of his his governments often say, well, we did lift people out of poverty, mm. and you did, mm. but the gaps between the rich and the poor also mm. increased. Mm. Mm. So I think what happened was that while you lifted people out, the gaps. Mm. So when you, we got to the twenty ten government, mm. what happened is that these people at the bottom were just left.
0: Yeah. They were yeah. just left beached. Austerity was was. Yeah, I mean, there's a lots of people in there who would argue that the gap is probably more important than the, um, than the actual. You know, yeah. you can lift people out of poverty, you yeah. can improve people's poverty, but if the gap continues to increase, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. That I mean, recently
1: I was reading Danny Darling. Yes, uh, and huge I think fan. and I think he yeah. uh, there's a report. Um, I think he published it a few days ago mm. that if you start to examine the mortality rates, mm. mm. and very interesting yeah. report. He says year on in, year, yeah. Mortality rates have got worse.
0: Than they, they have well, but since
1: 2008,
0: and there's a dispute about it. But mm-hmm. since 2008, they seem to have, have plateaued, and in some places gone down and gone down. And certainly, active life expectancy, the yeah. gap in active life expectancy.
1: See, my my sense is is that you know you got young people who are growing up now in, and the terms often used is you know there's kind of a poverty, the kind of mm-hmm. disease of despair. Right. You know, I think young people are growing up in households where. The opportunities for them to progress mm. out of the conditions that are limited. Mm. And, and Victor, I've got to say, and you've got to put this on this, uh, this on the table, racism mm. yeah. and discrimination mm. is alive and well. Mm. Mm. It's alive and well in our public agencies. Mm. It's alive and well in society. Mm. If you look at the evidence of recruitment mm. into high level employment, mm. into secure jobs, mm. into well paid jobs, mm. you know, and, and, and know the evidence that, yeah. is very, very clear mm. that black communities Mm. and and those involved in serious youth violence at least in London Mm. overwhelmingly the Mm. perpetrators and victims are from black communities black communities and Mm. the opportunities that these young people see are limited Mm. that when they apply for jobs you know I speak to young people all the time and they'll say that they'll apply for 50 jobs Mm. And get one interview Mm. whereby a white young man Mm. will apply for 20 jobs and get five interviews yeah you know and Mm. these are the daily experiences the the other important thing about this and we do a lot of work with young black boys and girls Mm. is the microaggressions they experience I mean I I just recall a workshop Mm. I had with young people and they will say that if there's three or four young black boys Mm. and they're going to JD sports they will be looked at yeah and treated differently by the security yeah, yeah. guard the local authority already knows mm. that these kids are going to fail because they set up people referral mm. units mm. and they put hundreds of thousands mm. of pa- so they already know mm. that we better have a people referral unit because mm. X amount of kids are going to go in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they've already factored in failure mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: failure is already factored into the system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. so they create these people referral units, and i 've spent a lot of time with people referral units. These are holding centers for mm-hmm. young people mm-hmm. there's no resources mm-hmm. in the and this is not to denigrate these staff. Mm-hmm. These are fantastic people mm-hmm. who are doing, but there is simply not enough mm-hmm. resource going in them for because mm-hmm. what these young people need is they need' Some of them are
0: very smart actually. I have mean, been to um, to um, to uh, people referral units and met some of the smartest people I've ever met. Yeah. Actually.
1: Absolutely. They just know that they've been labelled. These they, kids are got, all geniuses. Yeah, yeah. They're all doctors. Most of, of them are. Most, of them, mm. are. most mm. of them are. They're kind of um future doctors and attention. lawyers yeah. and singers yeah. and yeah. architects. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is they're stunted. Yeah. Yeah, mm. Their ambition and their growth is not recognized yeah. or acknowledged because yeah. whether at home yeah. or in the school, which is their biggest place of yeah. association, they are ain't getting the support. Yeah. So what then happens? What then happens? They're isolated, they're lonely, they're yeah. afraid, they're alone. Yeah? yeah. And then other people come in yeah. Yeah, and exploit these situations. Yeah, yeah. The, the decision-makers, this is my experience, yeah. the decision-makers are by and large white middle-class yeah. communities, by and large. Yeah. The ones who are this doesn't impact them. Yeah, It's not affecting yeah. their families, yeah. their communities. Uh, mm. I spoke to a, a, a good friend of mine. She lives in Surrey, mm. yeah, in a village. Mm. She trains into London, mm. yeah, responsibility <laughs> for black kids yeah. on the yes. doddington estate. Yes. And goes back out yes. to sorry, yes. on in her village and in her community, yes. the idea of knife crime Yeah, it's something that happens in London it's with something, black people. It's something that yeah. it's this is it's it's so far away yeah. from their yeah. reality. Yeah. And the thing is that a lot of the and these are good intentioned mm-hmm. people, but the thing is it's not impacting their lives. Yeah. It's not an experience that's part of their daily reality. Yeah. So therefore, the type of interventions that they can make are not going to be nuanced. Yeah. They're not going to be um, in line with yeah. the requirements and the needs of those yeah, local yeah, people because yeah. they don't know them. Yeah. What they're going to do is they're going to have a policy response yeah. to it. Yeah. The policy response to it's going to be whatever comes down from Whitehall. Yeah. The policy response is going to be more stop and search. Yeah, yeah. Um, more mentoring programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what we've got have let's get mentoring programs. Mm-hmm. These young boys mm-hmm. and girls, they mm-hmm. all need mentors. Mm-hmm. These programs are all great. But actually, what's needed for these young people is relationships of mm, trust and confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah? yeah. The, the, these young people need to be cared for. Yeah, and who who's going to care for them? Not the white middle class person because yeah. they already see them as the other. They see them getting. They see them leaving. They, they see them leaving. <laughs> they already see them as yeah. you know. Yeah. They already see them as people who don't care about mm, them, mm, either at school mm, or the police. So they've mm, already gained an impression that mm, these people aren't going to care for us. Mm, yeah. So mm. what's needed for these young people? at an early age, 13, 14, 15, is therapeutic care and support and mm. love by their peers and by their mentors. Mm.
0: So tell me what, what, what your organization
1: does. I mean, you've described what the problem is. What, yeah. what, what are some of the, some of the solutions? Well, when we set up the Community Empowerment Network, because there was no voluntary sector, yeah. we had to go out and find members to join yeah. the Community Empowerment Network. Mm. So when we went out to look for members, the people that were doing the work were faith groups. Right. In the absence of a voluntary sector, in the absence of a turning point or an age concern or an Alzheimer's society, the people who are doing the work are faith groups. They're doing them in mosques. They're doing them in black Pentecostal churches. They're doing them in churches. They're doing them in Hindu society. They're doing them in temples. So these are faith-driven people who are doing work in communities. So when we set up the Community Empowerment Network, because we couldn't find any voluntary sector organisations, we found churches. We found mosques um so a lot of the community empowerment network 61 of our members probably over 40 45 are faith groups which again makes us very unusual faith groups so when we started to walk with these faith groups and started to spend time in their places relational time with them you know the amount of um weddings i go to (laughs) and funerals i go to and community celebrations Mm. i go to because you know after 18 years you kind Mm. of build different relationships with communities what we figured out very earlier on is that this is where everybody is yeah yeah so what we felt very strongly with our partners who walked with us in the in the mental health trust in nhs Wandsworth Mm. was why don't we deliver the services Mm. in these communities themselves right why don't we co-produce yeah Services in churches yeah. in mosques in temples in yeah. football groups, so what we now do i'll just give you a very example of one of our flagship projects is the mental health shot said to us that black families present late to services mm-hmm. if you're black yeah, that's by, well, well you get, yeah. by the time yeah. you get yeah the time you getting to services is usually late or at an yeah. acute stage, and black families are scared the scared of the the scared sometimes. of the whole, <laughs> quite the right whole right moment and life, quite so. rightly. <laughs> Um, so, black families are hard to reach, mm. yeah, yeah, even though we're in the middle of Tooting. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. The Springfield Hospital is slap-bam in the middle of Tooting. Mm. These communities are hard to reach. But we have a relationship with black faith leaders, and we spoke to a number of these black faith leaders. One of them is Bishop Dalroy Powell from the New Testament Assembly in Tooting. Mm. And uh, we said, Bishop, all these communities that come to the church on a Sunday and during the week, right... Why don't we train mm. local black faith leaders in systemic family therapy? Mm-hmm. Give them the qualifications, mm-hmm. give them the accreditations, mm-hmm. and they can then start serving people in mm-hmm. community. So therefore, somebody can come to pastor mm. and pastor can still provide prayer, mm. but now pastor can also provide early intervention yeah, yeah, and prevention. Yeah, yeah. He could, because previously pastor would just say, mm. go and see your yeah, GP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what we know, people don't go to their no. GPs. So mm. what Pastor can now do is provide early intervention mm. support. So we set up what we call the Pastor's Network for Family Care, mm. which has now gone on to become the Muslim Network for Family mm. Care. And our ambition for this work is that if we had 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 mm. local people mm. in their churches, their mosques, their temples, their youth clubs, their community mm. trained in systemic family therapy, mm. you then do early intervention mm. and prevention before things even get to health services yeah, 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 that is a model of what we do so wherever people are mm. there's going to be networks yeah, yeah. there's going to be social networks mm. of some kind identifying these networks and shifting power and resources yeah. away from institutions yeah. into and these networks internet, yeah. but also Victor what's interesting about this is let's redefine what we mean by the workforce yeah 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 totally yeah? So instead of the workforce just being institutional yeah, yeah. people, yeah. let's start seeing local people in community organizations who are already doing this work. Yeah, yeah. They're already doing pastoral care. They're already doing community work. And let's, let's, let's validate them. Let's validate them, mm. but let's validate them in a way that mm. the system acknowledges. Yeah, yeah. So let's give them accreditation.
0: So this requires, and we haven't used the word yet, but mm. this requires a high degree of collaboration. Absolutely
1: <laughs> it does. And I'm just wondering, does. what are the conditions that you need to do that? I'll tell you what my experience is, is that you need leadership. Mm. Mm-hmm. You need leaders to lead. Mm. You need people in positions to make decisions to lead this work. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. I mean, we've been working with NHS Wandsworth, Wandsworth mm. Council for mm. a very long time. Mm. And a lot of the good people in these institutions get it. Mm. Yeah, They get the fact that you've got to collaborate with communities. Yeah. Yeah. They get the fact that you've got to empower and enable those in the front line yeah. to do early. They get all of that. Yeah. Where they are not helped and enabled mm. is that their leaders... Mm. Mm. I see. Yeah. Their leaders mm. are not creating the mm. conditions mm. for them... Mm to redesign their services, to redesign their service offer, to create new opportunities. What their leaders are often doing is they're receiving directives Mm. from Whitehall, Mm. whether it's Department of Health or Mm. Department of, um, you know, whatever the department is. And they're, they are taking this received mm. policy mm. and seeking to implement it locally. Yeah. They are not being enabled to come up with local solutions. Yeah. They're yeah. not being able, they're not being enabled to say, well, okay, in this particular place, mm. yeah, this will work. Mm. How are we going to make it work? Mm. They're not being enabled to do that. Mm. Because these community leaders, for want of a better term, these mm. civic leaders they're the ones who will hold public agencies to account mm. for the... Because one thing that public mm. agency leaders know is they know they're accountable. Yeah, yeah. The problem that they have is that in the absence of civic power, mm. the only people they're accountable to is their paymasters.
0: Yeah. Who holds the civic ma- uh, the civic leaders to account?
1: Their communities, okay. the people they represent. Okay. Yeah, so let's say the pastor. Mm. The pastor is accountable to his, his congregation. Mm. Yeah, at yeah. the mosque, I was at the mosque the other day. Yeah. You know, the mosque, uh, Tutanis uh, Mosque and Balan Mosque where I go to, you know, they have like a thousand members. Yeah. Yeah? yeah, what we need to do is we need to make the members hold their leaders to account. Yeah. So this accountability goes yeah. all the way yeah. down the food chain. They so, have to report back and, to somebody. And, and the constituency has to have real power to call them to account. And the yeah. constituency has to have real power and we have to generate that. Yeah. We have to make sure that works. Yeah. A lot of the work that we do, we do with communities. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we make sure that communities at large have information, mm. Mm. and that those communities emerge a leader, mm. or a spokesperson, mm. or an advocate who then represents their views on the partnerships. Mm. Okay. So we do a lot of work
0: in that area. No, I can I can understand what you're saying. So, you're prime minister for the day, then. Um, you want to change the way the world works, or at least this world, mm. this world. Mm. What
1: would you do? Gosh, that's a big question. Court. That's a big question, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a big question. It's a big interview. See, I think big conversation. Yeah, see, 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 I think, I think there's, I think you've got to start at the bottom. Mm. Okay. Because, you know, you could have a prime minister mm. if you don't hold that person to account, mm. the person will do whatever they want. Yeah. So I think what we need to do is we need to build local community citizen action mm-hmm. because people have power. Mm. You know, if you have 100 people turning up to the town hall mm. yeah, the politicians around the table and the decision makers they've got to listen, well, got to listen yeah. because yeah. we've built systems of accountability mm. and representation what we don't have is we've got a disengaged and passive yeah. um, polity
0: so I can, I can understand you want a ground up uh, evolution I was going to use the word revolution but it yeah. seems like you want to
1: build from the ground up you, you want to reduce choice? Um I I think we should be selective. Okay. I think we should be selective. Okay. okay. You know, cuz I think too much choice is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Where we understand need. Mm. Yeah, mm. we should respond to need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a need here. Mm. Let's respond to it. Mm. Let's not waste time mm. and say, "Oh, let's have another consultation. Mm. Mm. Let's have another the let's have another mm. survey." Mm. I think we already know mm. what needs mm. to be done. Mm. The evidence is overwhelming yeah. in terms of here are the problems, here is the need, Mm. Here are the choice. I think we spend too much time.
0: Yeah.
1: And why do we do that, do you think? I think there's a reluctant, I think there's a fear. Mm. I think there's a fear of failure. Mm. I think there is a a reluctance for people to get involved because it requires commitment and leadership and it requires people to fail. Yeah. And it, it requires people to be okay with failure. Yeah. Let's Mom's try this. Learning, yeah. yeah, let's try this. Let's learn from it. I think there's a culture of a fear mm. of failure. The only thing that goes up to decision makers is good news. Mm. I sit on overviews. I, mm. I participate in overviews. Yeah. I have a, I'm Very rare yeah. do I go to a meeting and mm. people are bringing bad news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are only bringing good news to the <laughs> masters. Impossible.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah.
1: masters are yeah. only hearing good yeah. news. So yeah. therefore, there is a culture so there. Th- I think people are worried. Mm. I think in a culture of austerity where there's not a lot of money. Mm. People are worried about spending money and failing. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a culture so of...
0: Everybody has to su- everything has to succeed. Everything That's has to succeed.
1: And I think the risk fact, people are risk yeah. averse. Yeah. They're not willing to take chances. Yeah. They're worried for their job. Yeah. They're worried for their sanity in mm. work. Mm. They're worried for the wrath they're going to experience mm. if things don't work. So therefore, I think there's a reluctance for people to go out there and say, let's try something. Mm. Let's do something. Yes. Let's take a risk. Mm. Let's go out there. So I think people are closing down on mm. their risk and uh, 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 involvement. Mm. So mm. I think that what need, you know, if I was, if I was in charge of stuff, mm. I think what needs to happen is we need to blur the lines between civic mm. community and participation and in public institutions. Yeah. I think there needs to be an in-between space yeah. where the good people are. we often call it in my work the coalition of the willing. Yeah.
0: yeah we
1: need those good people inside our public yeah. institutions and there's loads of them. Yeah who are not enabled and empowered, who want to make the world, they go into public service because they want to make the world a better place. And they are restricted in public services from doing good. I think, and and, and there's people in communities who want to do great Mm. and good things, Mm. but they don't know how to. So I think we need to have a holding space Mm. in the middle, Mm. a kind of space in the middle where people from all sides can Mm. come, Mm. your civic leaders, your public institution leaders. And in this middle space, I call it a holding ground, Mm. In this middle space, we then get to know each other better. Mm. Mm. We got to know, we build relationships. In this new place we negotiate mm. change. Mm-hmm. In the because mm-hmm. I don't yeah, think yeah, yeah. I like we that. can negotiate that change in the public yeah, institutions. Yeah, yeah. No no no, I think that's a And I don't think we point. can negotiate that space in the mosque. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, because of its own yeah, cultural yeah, 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 forces yeah, yeah. and and yeah, so the yeah, new okay. space and in this new space we come unarmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we come mm-hmm. unarmed. Mm-hmm. We come without our mask. Yeah, yeah. And in this new space it's a relational space. Yeah, yeah. We we get to know each other. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you're the chief executive. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. the mum. You're the mum. Build trust. Trust it's and relationship. Collaboration moves at the speed of trust. Collaboration moves at the mm. speed of trust. Mm-hmm.
0: Malik, I-, I could talk to you all afternoon. I could just see it is great. He's oh, just we, haven't so much, so we haven't even touched. We haven't even on. got it. We haven't even There's gone into so it. There's just so much going <laughs> on here. There's just so much going on. Um, but I feel we we need. I need to ask you the last question. Yeah. And I got to ask you. um Watch your back in track. Oh, God. Yeah. Sorry. You
1: see, I don't know whether to give a personal one you got yeah, you got or you a political got it. one and be right on. We, we are right
0: going to be playing it <laughs> as people are listening to this podcast. So it better be something
1: you like. Um, <laughs> be, don't, don't do the right on one, do the one that's meaningful. The one that's meaningful um, yeah. John Lennon talking about a revolution. I'll tell you why, because John was a revolutionary. Yeah. yeah? And John created change. Huh? You know, he wasn't willing to accept the confines of his own Liverpool upbringing. And went on and created extraordinary things. And he, for me, along with you know the obvious ones you know we can call out you know Bob Marley, Malcolm and so on so forth for me John Lennon was a real inspiration and every year you know whether we like it or not yeah yeah, Yeah. his song about war is over gets repeated again and again and again and he and what I liked about John Lennon was his hope Mm. you know he believed in a better world he believed in a better world and he lived for a better world and so that song, for many reasons, is the one I think we can end with. That'll do. That'll do. Malik go. it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. That's cool. cool. Thank you. That's, that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You can find out more about the work of Collaborate and the Collaborative Society on our website, collaboratecic.com. Do get in touch if you'd like to be part of the conversation.